0: This is Choni's Circle. I'm Tamara Labicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni's Circle, we are going
1: to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change, to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment, um, and to help us Try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. We are going to learn today another story about our friend Khoni. And Uh, The story begins, as many stories in the Talmud do, with actually a question about a particular verse from the Tanakh, um, in this case a verse from Psalms. And I should say this story comes from Masechet Ta'anit, Tractate Ta'anit, dealing with lots of stories and questions about responding to drought in particular. Though this story is itself not actually about drought, but does center a little bit on planting, and questions of, of sustainability. Rabbi Yochanan said about Choni, all the days of that righteous man, he was distressed, that is Choni, he was distressed over the meaning of this verse. Shir Hama b'shuv Adonai et Shivat tzion hainu kecholmim a song of ascent. when the Lord brought back those who returned to Zion, we were like dreamers. That's a quote from Psalms, perhaps best known actually because we use it to introduce Birkat Hamazon, and the blessing after meals on Shabbat and holidays. He said to himself, that is Choni, is there really a person who can sleep and dream for 70 years, right? There is a 70-year exile in Babylonia between the destruction of the first temple and when Jews are coming back from that exile and um, beginning, beginning to rebuild. But the verse says that those who returned are like dreamers. Is it really possible that 70 years could be experienced as a dream? One day, he was walking along the road... When he saw a certain man planting a carob tree, Khoni said to him, This tree, after how many years will it bear fruit? The man said to him, It will not produce fruit until 70 years have passed. Khoni said to him, Is it obvious to you that you will live 70 years? Meaning that you expect that you'll live long enough to actually derive benefit from this tree yourself? He said to him, This man, that is I, found a world full of carob trees just as my ancestors planted for me i too am planting for my descendants um, so after khoni has this exchange with this stranger who's planting a carob tree um he sits and he eats a meal and as might often happen after we sit and eat a nice meal, Khoni falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, a cliff forms around him and keeps him hidden from sight so nobody bothers him. And he slept for, lo and behold, 70 years. When he wakes up from this world-class nap, <laughs> he sees a certain man gathering caribs from that same tree that he saw being planted. Choni said to him, are you the one who planted this tree? The man said to him, I am his grandson. Hmm. Choni said to him, I can learn from this that I have slept for 70 years. And indeed, he also saw that his donkey had sired several herds during those many years. So that's his other proof um, that he was in fact asleep asleep for 70 years, and now has an answer to his question of how could it be that the people who came back to Jerusalem were like dreamers if they came back a full 70 years later? Khoni has now learned that it is apparently indeed possible to sleep uh, and dream for 70 years. But for our purposes, for thinking about climate change, as much as a great nap is always appreciated, I think... The piece here that's really powerful to me is the centrality of preparing our environment to bear fruit for those who will come one or two or more generations after us.
0: Right.
1: Rony seems to enter with this assumption that taking care of our environment and cultivating it is only worthwhile if we're actually going to bear the fruit, right? He's really curious about this person whom he sees planting a tree. The subject seems to be, why are you doing that? Like, you're not actually going to eat any of those carobs. What are you doing? But it seems that by the end of the story, he comes to appreciate that actually that is important work as the grandson
0: that harvests and eats those carobs. Right. So it seems like only after he actually experiences that same exact tree then having bearing its fruits only then does it really kick in for him yeah so should we all be like doing virtual reality experiences <laughs> of like what buying an electric car over a gas car is going to and the effect it will have in 70 years
1: Maybe, but I think I think we're actually supposed to see this anonymous stranger as, like, the real teacher in this story, which is interesting, because the rabbis actually clearly have a lot of appreciation of Hony. Later on, he's portrayed as a great scholar, but it seems that this anonymous planter right. is actually really the teacher, because he understands from the beginning right. that... I found this world full of trees that were bearing fruit. Somebody planted those who didn't actually get to benefit from them. And therefore, I have this obligation to do the same for people who come after me. So I I think that that teaches us that it doesn't have to be that human nature means we can't appreciate the importance of taking care of things for future generations unless we could actually experience what that might be like. We're obviously not all going to take 70 year naps. And, and I think virtual reality would be very cool. But I don't think that the text is even demanding that of, of us. I think it's reminding us that like this anonymous stranger, we can actually appreciate, or we can look around and see all of the life-giving and beautiful things that are around us in nature. And just that appreciation can instill in us the responsibility of making sure that future generations will have access to those same things.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the other thing that you said that made me think was like Khoni this great scholar, you know, he's got a lot of book learning. He's really smart. He can use logic. Great. But he has a hard time conceptualizing things that have to do with agriculture. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And, and also, also, he seems like a little bit of
1: an immediate gratification type. right? So when he <laughs> prays for rain, right, Choni says to God, I'm not going to leave this circle until you bring rain. Right? He really doesn't have any patience or space for a result that might not happen immediately. And so even for all of his book learning, it also seems like maybe he's not the most patient um, and doesn't quite have the appreciation of the fact that some things take time. Right.
0: Which is why he needed to traverse 70 years in an instant. Right. <laughs> By taking a 70-year year, year nap because he was instantly gratified that this tree now bore fruit and he had a whole herd of donkeys. <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, I think it maybe makes for a better story, too, because
0: a story that
1: that transcends 70 years uh, without a 70-year nap would be a pretty lengthy (laughs) story.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, so in an interesting way, we're, like, asked to see ourselves as both Choni and the guy planting a carob tree. Like, we actually have both sides of human nature within us both instincts are at play like we actually can understand and appreciate long-term things like you said if you just go outside and look at a huge tree you know it took decades to grow that big Um, and we understand that climate change is something that happens over decades and that it's bad now but would get a lot worse as the intervening years go. And we also need to acknowledge our short-term thinking. For sure, and I think there's
1: sometimes decision-making that we need to engage in about when something is urgent. There's something powerful about the way that people are suffering the drought seems to be a problem. And Choni gets in a circle and is like, I'm gonna solve this problem right now. I am not leaving this circle until rain comes because this is urgent and this is what people need right now. And I'm gonna do whatever I can to make that happen. And sometimes that's what's called for, right? Sometimes there are situations that are urgent and we need to act right away and with the full force of whatever we can bring to that problem to solve it. And there are other kinds of situations and other kinds of problems that call for a slower approach um, or that just take longer to solve or that our effects are not going to be seen immediately, like the planting of the tree. And so some of it, I think, is about us sort of containing both of those instincts and some of it is about knowing when to engage in which kind of behavior? When are we called upon to be like Choni and demand rain right now and assume that, well, if that tree is not going to bear fruit for 70 years, it's not even worth it? And when when do we actually need to appreciate that, no, planting a tree that is going to bear fruit in 70 years is worth it, and even if we're not the ones who benefit from that, trusting that someone will.
0: Right. I feel like a phrase that is repeated often in conversations about sustainability is like the seven-generation thinking. Mm -hmm. So this is like a three-generation thinking. Mm -hmm. So we see like the grandfather and the grandson. And I think sometimes people think of that sustainability or seven-generation thinking as stopping to do things, taking things away, like you don't want to use too many of the resources. They won't be available, right? So, I think this story is kind of attractive in that it's not about taking things away or stopping to do things. It's about actually planting and building. So, I don't know. For me, that's very inspirational because one thing I like to read about and think about is regenerative agriculture. How do we farm in ways that actually build soil and like build even more potential from? for the future instead of farming in ways that, like, take soil away and, like, give us a bleak image of what farming will be in the future. So I think finding these stories of the positive action we can take is very inspiring. But again, like, Judaism, Torah, there's this whole, like, positive commandments, negative commandments. So I think we also hold that dynamic in play. When do we need to stop doing something and when do we need to, like, do more of it or make sure we do something on a regular basis, right? Yeah. I mean, We need both. Right. So the whole, like, dreaming thing is pretty interesting to me because, obviously, we have the literal dream that takes 70 years, but it doesn't seem like this psalm, this verse, is, like... A literal dream, <laughs> like we know they weren't all sleeping for that entire time. So what's interesting to me is he has like this literal dream, and then it helps him come to terms with this verse. Do yeah, you, w- what's going on there? Yeah,
1: well, I think this is I think this is really really interesting. First of all, we don't actually know what Khoni's dream was, mm. right? So the the text tells us that he slept for seventy years, and that seems to help him realize that, oh, one could dream for 70 years because I just slept for 70 (laughs) years, but we don't actually know what he dreamed about, right? We know what happened before he fell asleep and we know what happened when he woke up. So that I think is just really interesting. What's actually happening for him in those 70 years? I'm not sure. It almost feels just like a a way to get us to 70 years later so that he can (laughs) see this tree and see the planter's grandson. So I'm not totally sure what to do with that, but it is really interesting that in a text that is ostensibly about a 70-year dream, we actually have no idea what the dream was. Right. But I think you're right, right? Like the verse is not actually talking really about dreams or sleep at all, right? I think it's using dream sort of in the other way that we use dream, which is the sense of the fulfillment of a hope and a longing, right. right? I think the like dreamers is like, we couldn't, we were so overjoyed to be coming back to Jerusalem that we couldn't believe it, right? We couldn't believe that we were coming back and finally realizing this thing that we had longed for, which is also interesting, I think, if we read that with Choni's dream or lack thereof. It does seem that the trajectory of a dream, right, is from a current reality to a better future, right? There is sort of I think a sense of positive change of like reaching right. of reaching a future potential that's better than a current reality. And I think that does sort of map if we follow the carib tree from sort of an unrealized seed that Honey is deeply skeptical of <laughs> to a tree that's bearing fruit 70 years later.
0: Right. And to me I think this is actually can be a very useful mindset to cultivate when pursuing climate action is if you just read all the news about, you know, the glaciers are melting which means this horrible thing will happen and that horrible thing will happen and like three million people are have been washed out of their homes by this flood and there's this drought. You know, it's like one way to react to that which I think is really common is just despair which leads often to inaction. And so I think if we're able to balance it with the sense of dreaming, with this, what could we achieve, right? This idea of like, what could we plant? What different practices could we put in place to achieve a more beautiful world, a more sweet world with the carob, you know, is like something I think we should get in the practice of to motivate ourselves
1: absolutely and even if it just feels like a seed now right even if it just feels like a drop in the bucket and it feels like there's still this overwhelming sense of despair and we're not really creating change to know and believe from this story that actually even something that only feels like a seed now can bear fruit down the road I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the associate rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental
0: group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman.
1: Thanks for listening and learning with us.